When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, uh, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. It's been a while since I forgot the lines. Uh, my name is Robert Morrison, here with me to talk about the biggest game of the year, and I can say that conclusively because it is the last and final game of the season. Uh, Akshaz, man, how, how are we feeling? How are we doing? You know, I've... um. I've had a lot of nerves, I think, but also, like, a weird confidence about this game, which terrifies me. I think I say this all the time on our podcast, but I'm not confident in the 49ers. I think they lose. They're going to lose, like, all the time. (laughs) This is my coping mechanism. But when I tell you, I was like, they're winning the Super Bowl this year. They got a chance here. I'm like, it has to happen. Like, I'm excited for the game on Sunday. I'm not excited to see extended ads and extended halftime shows. I know it's a spectacle, but, you know, when it's your team playing, just give me football. That's all I want. <laughs> Run the game as soon as possible. Let me know who wins. Yeah. And, you know, let me, let me grieve or jump in the streets with joy accordingly. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we're here again um, after the, the stress that has been the playoffs from the 49ers perspective. Um, here we are uh, once again up against the Kansas City Chiefs for the right to to win that elusive six Lombardi uh, trophy for the San Francisco 49ers. Obviously, four years ago, um, that didn't turn out the way that we wanted it. And um, we're not we're not going to talk about that game because that game is in the past and it doesn't matter anymore. And these are two. I, I don't. I don't know if you could, if these two teams can be, could be any different from the versions of themselves that they were four years ago, and still be like the same team, um, considering how like few players are are left on 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 either roster, or the starting lineups and all that kind of stuff. It's just it's just kind of crazy. Like the Chiefs were this this offensive juggernaut with this young quarterback, you know, and their defense was just real bad and and it did just enough at times in the in the the last super bowl and the reverse was true for the 49ers their defense was supposed to be leading the way and their offense was just like yeah we'll figure it out we'll do enough to to maybe win some games and obviously things have have turned a little bit but we'll and we'll get into some of that but it's uh we were talking before we got started um this this two-week break i get it like why it's there for the for the players right they need you know two weeks to, to kind of rest and 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 recuperate a little bit, but also to prepare for the biggest game of possibly their lives. And um, but from a fan perspective and from like a can we stop talking about this perspective, it's possibly the most annoying two weeks of all time because the narrative is flipped six or seven times. It feels like already over the course of the last week and change. Uh, we still got, as we're recording on on Thursday night before before the game, we still have three 
two full days, three full three full days of, of more discourse. Um, and frankly, I'm just getting a little tired of it. And so I'm I'm just ready for the game to start. Um, because I if I just read one more thing about how invincible the the Chiefs are uh, at this particular juncture, I think I'm going to lose my brain. Yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, everyone wants to um, kind of be right when it comes to the Super Bowl. And that's what the Super Bowl does. This is what the playoffs do. Is as there are less games, everyone gets more and more attention. The reality is everything the 49ers have like tried to combat throughout the year and, I mean, they've done a really good job of proving that a lot of these narratives aren't true. The, they were an explosive offense. Their defense slipped a little bit in the playoffs, but it's still, like, really, really good. They can run the ball and pass the ball. I mean, you know, there's an invalidation of an entire season, essentially, because it's one game. And that's true to some extent, right? Matchups matter, right? Kansas City is different than a lot of the teams the 49ers faced this year in good ways and bad ways. And... I just don't understand how there's this narrative that the Chiefs simultaneously are underdogs, but they're definitely going to win the game. And like, I, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, I, I think I read somewhere that the idea is that the public thinks the Chiefs are going to win, but like betters think the 49ers are going to win. But honestly, it's just, it's so odd to me. And I'm like, I honest, I want them to just like pick pick a side. Either either say like, <laughs> you know, Patrick Mahomes is really really talented and he's gonna you know go up against this really good team, or say, oh, you know, the Chiefs are better. But say one of them. You can't say both. That makes yeah. like, like I like how where's the congruency there? And I think it's really frustrating as a 49ers <laughs> fan. I mean, not to talk about 2019, 2020, but when that game happened. That was, like the discourse was all about how the Chiefs were this incredible on the rise team with a young quarterback, and the 49ers were the like had a, the obstacle in his way to greatness. And it's the same mm-hmm. discussion now. I think it's only slightly changed. And if you think about the storylines the 49ers have, this team should be celebrated in its own right. And it's really it's a little disappointing that the national media has simply decided to not do so because. You know, we're only human. Our fan, our team is basically played as the heel. That's not fun. That's not fun to read two weeks of like, oh, the 49ers are in the way of Mahomes being the greatest of all time, of Travis Kelsey proposing to Taylor Swift or whatever. Like, like that's 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 annoying. And I mean, it was true yeah. in the NFC Championship game, right? The 49ers were the heel to the Lions on this historic quest, and the 49ers being villains against the Chiefs. It's crazy to me when you think about how many teams the Chiefs have dominated and embarrassed over the last few years to get to the playoffs. But I, I don't know. I guess it is what it is. But it makes it makes the two weeks pretty frustrating to listen to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's I mean it's it's definitely difficult to 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 be like okay, well, like I mean I don't I don't know about you, but I I can I I, I tend to to to, to get the feed about how I feel about the game sometimes when you're starting to hear all this stuff. And about the beginning of this week, I was starting to go, oh, oh no. <laughs> I, I can't win the game. This is going to be horrible. It's going <laughs> to be over by the, by the end of the third quarter or by the middle of the third quarter. And we're all going to, like, it's going to be the worst. Like, but 
but but also I'm like, okay, but there there's a reason that the Chiefs were only the number three seed in the AFC this year. And there's a reason that it feels like all the conversation around them is, well, they had a really rough regular season, but um, you know, nobody's saying that about the 49ers. Nobody well, I mean, their I guess their caveat is um they have had a little bit of a rough go of it in the playoffs, but the and then they just sort of forget the butt, butt there, which is they still won those two games, guys. Like they came back, they did the thing that you wanted them to do, which was to show that they could come back in a game. They did it twice in a row in two weeks. One was by 17 points, which is oh by the way tied for the the biggest comeback in the history of the NFC Championship game. I don't, you know, it's just kind of strange. Like, um, we're you you mentioned like just like for, we're all forgetting about the regular season, and I wonder how much of that is in order to like crown the chiefs the champions without the game being played you kind of have to forget about the fact that they were kind of a eh, team during the regular season in a lot of ways especially offensively um and sure they've improved to certain extents uh throughout the playoffs but you know they play the dolphins in terrible conditions and that defense not, isn't very good and they played the bills in not so great conditions and that defense isn't so great either and then they didn't score a single point in the second half against Baltimore. So it's not like they're rolling into this thing like world beaters, like, hey, we've scored 50 points a game in all three of our playoff games. Oh, by the way, they also had to play three playoff games to get here. So it's it's a little bit like, OK, like <laughs> we we did win our conference as well. And we were the number one seed in our conference as well. So could we get a little bit like is there is there anybody that's it seems like there are fewer people that are just like ready to go out on a limb for some reason for the number one seed in the NFC. That's also the champions of their conference. It's just kind of strange. I agree. I agree. Um, you know, I, I think in, do I agree with this to some extent? Yeah. I think Mahomes is in like so good. And I think this is like, this is undeniable that you kind of want to ignore the regular season and be like, you know, he'll figure it out. He has to figure it out. He's Patrick Mahomes. And that's kind of, that's what the great ones do is that you always think they can do enough no matter what. And I think that's clouding this decision, but that's not necessarily the case, you know. Mm-hmm. In Patrick Mahomes lose a Super Bowl, it came against Tom Brady and a smothering defense and a lot of pressure. Like it's not it's not like inevitable that he wins every game, but he is really talented and I do think looking at the regular season by itself is not going to be the way the 49ers approach this. I think they are going to have to respect simply what Mahomes can do and how good he is. But I agree. I just think there's a lot of there's a lot of emphasis on past experience for Patrick Mahomes. When if we really look at this year, all the prior should indicate that the 49ers are in a really good spot. But mm-hmm. that's what the yeah, I mean, because outside of Mahomes and Kelsey, this is pretty much an entirely new team from from 2019. Um, whereas the 49ers, I think, are returning seven starters from that group, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, and it's some pretty pretty big names like Kittle and Usechek and and Debo and um, what's my missing? Uh, Fred Warner was there, Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead. So there's some there's some key players that are. It's not like there's some guy who's the third defensive tackle on the team who's oh he was in the Super Bowl. Okay, cool. Like maybe that will help, maybe it won't. But the the Chiefs don't have 
a, a glut outside of those really those two guys. There's one other whose name who I can't recall who the third member. I think it might be Harrison Bucker actually, um, <laughs> who's their only member, their only starter, returning starter from from last time these two teams faced off. So it's 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 not like there's a, a again a glut of 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 experience necessarily. There's some young guys on this on this team and sure they've grown up and and we'll see how it goes. But um, I don't know. I, it, it's I think it's going to be. A good game, regardless of what happens. I think it's going to be another one of those frustrating games from our perspective. Uh, it, you know, as much as we've been like, yeah, let's get up. We need a, we need that blowout really badly. I don't, I, I don't, I don't foresee this being the one where that's going to happen. But that's uh, maybe, maybe I'll be wrong about it. I don't know. I'll, I'll be happy to be wrong for the record about that. I would love for the 49ers to just jump out and and, and do that. Actually, here's the, the game that, that I'm hoping for. And maybe, uh, and this will, I'm sure we'll get into the details somewhere in my, uh, my Raheem Mostert NFC championship game. It's, I, I don't, I got this shirt when I was in, when we, when we were in the Bay area uh, in 2021, I think. Um, <laughs> and it was, uh, it's, so it's a, it's a shirt that's the, you know, X's and O's and it's, Four, all four of Raheem Mostert's touchdowns from the NFC Championship game against the the Packers. Uh, that could be a kind of game that I would be getting behind for this particular game. But there we go. All right. Um, other things that have been happening. It seems like the 49ers have been a little bit of a rough uh, time of things to a certain extent in uh, Las Vegas since they arrived on Monday. Um, for one, they got there late later in the evening. Not a problem. Um, and then the news came out that the field that they were supposed to practice on this week was not in the greatest of conditions. Uh, so the way that the NFL operates, the team who's who's designated as the home team, which in this case is Kansas City, AFC, NFC flip off every flip, flip back and forth every year, not flip off uh, <laughs> every year. Uh, and so Kansas City is the home team. So they get to practice at the hosts NFL teams uh, practice facility, in which case this is the Raiders space. So they're using the Raiders practice facility. 49ers got subjugated to the closest university in the area that has relative uh, facilities that are available, and that's uh, UNLV. Um, unfortunately, UNLV, pra- UNLV practices and plays on uh, artificial turf, and so the league was like, well, we're not going to do that to you. It'll be fine. We'll just put real grass on top of the artificial turf. All well and good, except for instead of doing that a couple of months ago, like they're supposed to do that in uh, December, I think was the time frame. Apparently they did it last week. But I mean, when, when the 49ers arrived on Tuesday morning to um, to to practice, the field obviously had not had time to set in. And so it's not in the greatest conditions. Um, uh, Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, was quick to poo poo their problems. Um, of course, the NFL Players Association was like, that's cool and everything, but you're wrong. Uh, it's soft. It's too soft. Uh, now, to the great um, credit of the 49ers and the players, and and, and uh, they've been pretty diplomatic about it and been like, okay, well, well, we'll make it work. But God help me if somebody gets hurt on, you know, the seams that are in the field because it hasn't set in um, or, you know, something like that. But I think we're I think we're good at this point, but. It's it's just not a good look for the league and the fact that they waited when they've known the Super Bowl date has been set for a long time and they needed to get this done and it looks pretty bad uh, from the 49ers perspective. 
Uh, and then on top of everything else, apparently they had a, a fire alarm at 6 a.m. in their hotel this morning on Thursday morning. Uh, Kyle Shanahan said during his presser today that uh, he and the coaches were already awake, so they didn't even really notice it. But they were in a basement downstairs working already. But some of the players were less than peeved or, or a little more than uh, peeved about it. But, man, I don't know. This doesn't it doesn't seem like the 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 extracurricular things are, are working out in the 49ers favor uh, as of yet. No, they do not. And I think, you know, the field thing, the fire alarm is weird and shenanigans could be at play, but that's also one of those, like, it happens sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any ill intent. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> the field, though, I'm, I'm really frustrated by because I think the 49ers have been one of the most vocal teams about quality of, like, field. Like, they've actively bemoaned turf, especially in MetLife Stadium. And, I mean, to have to play on a field that has the same consistency as a place where I think two or three players tore their ACL, like, it's it's really frustrating only because, like you said, the NFL knew that this was going to be an issue, and they had a timeline to fix it, and then they just didn't do it. And then Goodell comes up here in the sheltered press conference where no one can really ask him a follow-up. So he doesn't <laughs> at have like to ask three o'clock in the afternoon or something like that too. Exactly. <laughs> and like, so no one pushes him, right? He can say whatever he wants. You'll be fine. And he's just like, yeah, it's good enough. And then immediately the NFLPA president, JC Twitter is like, that's not how this works, right? Like this is below standard. This is not what we do in the Super Bowl. That I think, is an issue. I think it reflects poorly on the NFL as like an organization for not only like being quasi negligent about it, but then doubling down on their negligence. I think that's the part that annoys me. It's like, it's one thing thing to be like, yeah, we messed up a little, but, um, you know, we apologize for that, but I think it'll be good enough. And you know, it's a major inconvenience for the players and team. It's another thing to be like, it's good enough. Like, it meets our standard of playability. But it's basically at the lowest spectrum of the standard of playability. I think the 49ers tried to, like, escalate it as much as they could through um, outside channels, talking about potentially splitting with the Chiefs, going back to Santa Clara to practice, things like that, and eventually decided to kind of deal with it. But I think doubling down is the part I'm annoyed with. NFL, just... Admit your mistakes sometimes. It's okay. You make <laughs> yeah. them. Yeah. I mean, it's it's weird because you got to think that's somebody's job, like they're, or a bunch of people's full-time job is to, to handle that kind of thing. And it makes you wonder, like, what what was what were these people doing <laughs> when they, like, like, you know, they're not doing their job. Like, it's a little, it's quite concerning, but... Um, yeah, I mean, it looks like everything so far is, is, has been fine. And, and obviously they did most of the heavy lifting in terms of practice last week. Um, last week they, they kind of treated last week as if the game was this Sunday or this Monday or something like that. Um, so they did their install of the game plan and all that kind of stuff. And I think most of this is just conditioning walkthroughs. It's like last minute tweaks, like, okay, well let's double check this play to make sure it's. It's functioning what we want. I can't but can't imagine they're going full speed during any of this anyway, um, you know, to protect everybody's health and, and all that kind of stuff. But still, at the same time, it's it, it, it looks bad. And it's just and the fact that the, the Chiefs are just sitting pretty in the Raiders facility. It makes it even worse. 
Um, here's hoping on top of everything else. So the field, it's the field that they're going to play on on Sunday. Um, obviously, it's an indoor stadium, but it's a it's a it's a real grass. Uh, they have the ability to to wheel different surfaces in and out of of uh, uh, of the, the the playing area inside the stadium, much like they do in Arizona, uh, where they can sort of wheel out. And so they wheel out natural grass surface and then they they move it back in. So they've been they left it outside for a little bit. They did the, the painting of the field and all that kind of stuff outside. And of course, the weather has not been terribly great in, in Las Vegas, apparently, at the early part of this week. Um, so ho- here's hoping that the, the field will will stay in pretty good condition uh, leading up to the game because um, slippery is not good, as we saw last year during the Super Bowl. But also in the 49ers game against uh, against Green Bay, uh, we don't want a, a slippery surface at all. So, um, yeah, all that to all that to say. Um, all right. Speaking of people being in good condition, so, uh, so there was a little bit of I think mild concern. Uh, George Kittle didn't practice at all last week while they were in Santa Clara. Um, I think a, a toe injury is. The, is, is, is what's going on there. Um, he, he, along with Eric Armstead, Ornberg, and Ambry Thomas, were all in the injury report today. They're all limited practice. Again, I'm not really sure what that means at this particular juncture in the season. Uh, Kyle Shanahan said he expects all four will be able to play. So, um, obviously, Ornberg would have been like the, like, no offense. Would have been the least the midst of those, or maybe Henry Thomas. I don't know. Um, obviously, Kittle and Armstead are the, the best ones, and so I I can't imagine. <laughs> like even if Kittle were like, I'm at 92 percent. There's like absolutely no way they'd keep him off this field. So um, he's playing on on Sunday without a doubt. So it's it's good to hear that he's he's fine. Um, also, I think there's nothing they could do to stop him from playing. Like honestly, unless his body was torn into shreds or something yeah i agree uh you know this is actually going to go into like a schematic thing but i think the 49ers chance of success in this game is going to be a limitation of oren burks not because he's bad but because i think there is a solution to kind of attack the chiefs run game and that's through um functionally going in a five down men set kind of getting a hat on a hat attacking gaps and kind of being able to push at the line of scrimmage because you have the linebackers to be able to um, cover on the back end, even with five dime linemen. And that also avoids Ambry Thomas getting on the field. And we'll talk about reasons for concern and reasons for optimism. But spoiler alert. That's he, he is one of them, unfortunately. So, you know, Burke yeah. being healthy, I think is big. He's been in the spot starter, third linebacker role, but he's a phenomenal special teams as well. So, Good player. And then, like you said, I think George Kittle would have willed himself through anything short of his body, like you said, falling apart to play in this game. Now, is that the smartest thing? Maybe not, but football players, man, what can you do? Nothing. Um, as far as the Chiefs are concerned, the only two names that are note um, that I'm that I'm aware of in terms of potential Injuries. Uh, there, one of their guards. Um, to brain or anything tech to his. Uh, I think prior to the AFC Championship game, if I'm not mistaken, 
Um, there was conversation before it happened about, well, if they get to the Super Bowl, he'll probably be able to play. It's three weeks away, all that kind of stuff. But I believe Andy Reid said the other day that he says that he thinks it's pretty, um, it doesn't seem likely that he's going to be ready to go, um, which would be a pretty big miss on the inside of their 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 offensive line. And which is you know a pretty decent unit. It's probably the 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 best part of that offensive line. But if Tooney's out, then they're gonna really be missing um, a key element there. And then the only other name of note is they did um, open up the practice window for Jarek McKinnon, uh, former <laughs> 49er, uh, sort of, uh, <laughs> who was on injured reserve. But I believe Reed also said he's probably not very likely to play either. Um, I guess they just wanted to open up the practice window, see how he was doing, but it doesn't seem likely that either of them are going to be good to go. Other than that, I think they're pretty healthy uh, for the most part in terms of guys that are available, which is nice. Like, I mean, that's what you want to see, right? You know, the best best on the best, I guess, uh, is what you're looking for at this particular point. So we'll we'll, we'll see how it goes. But um, it's um, I think Tooney is the least likely to are likely to play at this particular point, but you know, uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll see how this goes. Yeah, I mean, I agree. You want everyone to be healthy on both sides because asterisk Super Bowls, which don't exist by the way, are still frustrating when you think about how injuries took a team and made them different from the team that got there. Not to think about 2019, but the 49ers had a lot of injuries on the interior offensive line. It was a huge part of the pressure issues there. Tooney's a huge player for them. If he's not able to go, I think their backup is Nick Allegretti, who was on that 2019 team, if I'm not mistaken. But he's not particularly great, and I think the 49ers might have an advantage there with Hargrave or Armstead. I think that's correct, yeah. A big guy who's coming back, I think, for the Chiefs is Willie Gay. Good coverage backer, really aggressive in the run. He'll add another dimension to that defense, and you know, you want you, this is what you want to see. You want to see both teams being able to throw haymakers and see who's going to win. And I, I like the fact that the 49ers are going to give the Chiefs their best shot and receive the Chiefs' best shot. Uh, also note, uh, Charles before, um, was, was with the as was is with the Chiefs this season or his ACL in the AFC Championship game. So he will obviously won't be so going to be a pretty nice him. Yeah, Omenahu, he's um he was a big source of pressure for him. Middle part of the season when his suspension um fixing the run. All right, so we're going to go ahead and and return to the 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 roots, the uh the the reasons for optimism and concern which Aksha has alluded to just a bit ago. So um, Aksha, I'll kick it to you as as we always do and let you start with uh, reasons for optimism that the 49ers are going to win the whole shebang. I think, A, you know, it's their time. So more, more metaphysical, more emotional. But if we're getting really concrete, it, I think it's Kansas City's run defense. They have a fantastic defense. This is the best te- defense the 49ers have seen Kansas City with, and I think that's a huge reason why they were able to survive a not-so-great offense. But, you know, they, um, they've they been really gashed in the playoffs as well. 
they um, the Buffalo Bills ran the ball 33 times, had a 61% success rate, and a 36% first down rate. They were able to really grind against the against the Chiefs, and I think for the 49ers, this is like this is the beauty of this offense now. In fact, I have an article I think that came out a week ago that talks about the differences between the 49ers now versus in 2019. And the thing is that the 49ers don't have to run the ball to win. They can. In fact, when they do, they're very successful. But Purdy can drop back and throw. And this will be a great situation where you kind of inverse it, where you get back to that 2019 energy that crowned the ball behind Trent Williams and Aaron Banks, Juszczyk filling in the gap, Kittle sealing off the edge, Ayuk and Debo kind of like crack blocking defensive ends. And you just like, you keep on going. And McCaffrey, I think I heard something that Greg Olson said in the NFC Championship game. And he said the difference between the 49ers and other running games is that the 49ers run the ball to manufacture explosive plays. Most teams run the ball because they want to get four yards a pop, five yards a pop. And obviously, you get five yards a pop on the ground, you're going to win the football game because it's a first down every two plays. But where the 49ers' success can come from is running behind Trent Williams, really like getting an explosive or two with arguably their best player in Christian McCaffrey. And then from there, being able to play off that run game, you know, quick screens, deep attacking and crossers, really putting the linebackers in conflict. Because if there's a part of this Kansas City defense that's not phenomenal, it's the front seven. They're secondary elite, absolutely elite. Missouri Sneed and Trent McDuffie are fantastic corners. Um, Justin Reed has been a draft crush of mine for a very long time, and he's playing great. I mean, they um they can get their hands on the 49ers receivers. But the counter is that if you run the ball, those linebackers are going to creep up. And when they creep up, that's when you get a dig to Ayuk. That's when you get a dig to Debo. That's when you get a post to, post to Kittle. That's when you get a wheel to McCaffrey. That's when the explosives come. And I think for all the discussion about how good Kansas City's defense is, 49ers are the one team that will be willing to just say, we're going to run the ball until it works. And if it doesn't work, then it still worked for us because you're going to think we're running it. Then we'll go over the top on you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's definitely my one, my number one point in terms of optimism as well, is that even though there are some difficulties in throwing the ball against this chiefs defense, um, the 49ers have the best running back in the NFL, the best left tackle in the NFL, and the best, you know, blocking group of skill possession players, of of skill players in in the NFL. And so I I, I have zero doubt that they're going to make every effort to try to effectively run the ball to set up, as you were alluding to, these big running plays. Like you know, like some of the some of the crazy things that that that, that they've and, and been able to do this year with these long runs you know think of the the long run i think it was the opening play of against seattle at home right um which just you know standard <laughs> pitch to the to, to mccaffrey on the left hand side and suddenly he almost takes it to the house like it's just nuts the things that they're able to do with the running game and and like i said that's where the chiefs uh defense struggles um and and, it, and it's weird what that what they can't do and this is really important uh if you look at the afc championship game baltimore ravens who who were the only team in the NFL better at running the ball than the 49ers this year, for some reason just stopped running the ball last week uh, or in two weeks ago in the AFC 
the championship game. They ran the ball 16 times, Akshaz. 16. Like, what in the world were they doing? Like, I don't I don't know if that was something they saw on the defense, but there's, there's just, like, absolutely no way in the world that the Baltimore Ravens should be throwing the ball 37 times in a game against a team that that is that gave up the week before gave up 182 yards the buffalo bills on the ground like um now that number may sound familiar to uh 49ers fans who are listening but uh and so hold on to that thought um but that's that's really important like they're gonna have to like run the ball run the ball run the ball and a lot of it is on that outside getting the ball the outside um but i think they'll be able to run the ball effectively no matter where they want to go um, but that getting the ball on the outside, I think, is going to be the real key. Letting McCaffrey like sort of take over this game, um, but but it doesn't have to be McCaffrey either. It can be Debo. You know, maybe we get back to to the wide back a little bit in this game. Maybe we get we 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 haven't seen a lot of like jet action. I don't think this year. Uh, I think we could see see getting back to that. You know, just really putting pressure on this Chiefs defense to make decisions, and then that's when the passing game opens up when the when the defensive backs have to start cheating, when the linebackers have to start cheating, as you alluded to, I think that's really important uh, for sure. The other part of this, and this this is going to be the sort of dichotomy of of my of points here, uh, is that I, I think it's pretty clear this is like the weakest offensive skill position player set that Patrick Mahomes has ever had since he's been in Kansas City. And so on some levels, you're like, okay, well, that's pretty impressive then that he got this team to the Super Bowl. But you also wonder, is that going to rear its ugly head for Kansas city at some point during this game where the only, he only trusts two players on the team uh, to catch the ball. And so he's going to force something somewhere where he doesn't need to, because he doesn't feel good about anybody that's not named Travis Kelsey or Rishi rice to, to go out and get the ball and make a play. Um, so it'll be really interesting to, to see if that the, the difference between having two guys that you can trust versus like five or six guys that you can trust, which is what Brock Purdy has if something like that will make a difference for this for the for the Chiefs, especially if the game ends up, you know, being a close one where where like little decisions like that could make a big difference. Absolutely, because I think the 49ers secondary will be is really good at keying in on one or two players and really taking a play out of them. So I've seen some reports insinuating or arguing that Mooney Ward should play off Kelsey, that he has the body frame to kind of guard Kelsey like a corner and be physical with him. And from there, you kind of allow Dino to play Rice and you kind of, you, you get aggressive with it. You don't mm-hmm. let the Chiefs kind of attack the other parts of your secondary. You also have the greatest coverage linebacker in the NFL right now, possibly the greatest coverage linebacker in NFL history, Fred Warner out there. So that's a huge aspect of this defense that we can't overlook, especially if Warner gets matched up on Kelsey specifically. You know, Steve Wilkes has a lot of options to key in on important players on on the Chiefs. But I like how you mentioned the Chiefs passing game because I think the reason for concern for this team is going to be the Chiefs running game. Yeah. I mean, the 49ers have – I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's effort. I don't know if it's, like, schematic failure. I don't know if it's a lack of aggression. I don't know what it is, but this team cannot stop the run. They just <laughs> can't. And this is why I kind of – I hinted to playing – a 5-2. So in the Super Bowl between the Rams and the Patriots, the Patriots went into a 6-1 setup where they had six players on the line of scrimmage and one linebacker. What they were doing is they were crowding the line of scrimmage and forcing the Rams running game to adjust. I think the 49ers are lucky insofar as they have two phenomenal coverage backers 
in Warner and Greenlaw. And I think that allows them to take some risks on the defensive line. And if you can get Javon Kinlaw in there along with Armstead, Hargrave, Osa, and Young, and everyone's out there giving 100%, which is an insane thing you have to say about a Super Bowl. But yeah. they are, you know, that can be a way you kind of, you kind of make some advances on defense because as weird as it is to say, the solution for the 49ers is to make Patrick Mahomes beat you. <laughs> Which is what a statement. Oh, trust me. Do I, do I think that makes sense? Do I think no. I made a logical statement? No. That is by far probably <laughs> one of the silliest things I've said on this podcast, but it's true. I yeah. mean, if the Chiefs are able to do what the Lions did essentially, this game will be over by halftime because yeah. the difference will be the running game will be as effective. But instead of Jared Goff getting flushed by pressure every once in a while, Mahomes will uncork a beautiful, like, 55-yard seam dot. And, like, you don't have the luxury of knowing that if you get a lot of pressure, he can be rattled. Mahomes is going to be an absolute challenge, but you have to make the Chiefs one-dimensional. You have to force that, and then you essentially you play a clock game, right? The 49ers score touchdowns by running the ball and kill clock, and essentially what they do is they minimize the number of possessions. Now, this team is good enough, I think, to go head-to-head in the Chiefs in a shootout and win. This is not me talking about the 49ers as some like massive underdog here, but I do think for this team, if you limit the number of possessions with your offensive potency against the Chiefs' run defense, you can have a chance to be really effective in limited tries. And then the game essentially comes down to who makes a mistake first. And I think that's the, that's the way the game might have to go is who's going to blink. I mean, in, 20, in 2019, not to bring it up again, the Chiefs <laughs> made the mistakes first, and then right. the 49ers made mistakes at the end. Like, that's exactly what happened, and that's how the game was lost. It's the, it's the same thing, right? Your defense is not as good as it was back then, but it's quite talented, and I think it's better in the back seven especially. Okay. If you can – force the Chiefs to play to a defensive strength to get pressure on the line and to get Mahomes to make one bad decision, just one, I think the 49ers have a chance. But if you can't get Mahomes in that position where he has to make a uh, what's called a risky decision, you have no chance. Yeah. Well, and the other thing about about the the previous matchup is that the the offense didn't take advantage of those those uh, those turnovers either, as I recall. Um, I mean, they only we make a big deal about how they were up by 10 points going. The they only had 20 points, man. Like, that's the thing that's that we I think we 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 get caught up in the whole like, oh, well, they were up by 10. Well, yeah, but because they only scored two touchdowns. Like, <laughs> I mean, they weren't they weren't exactly like storm in the door. If they turn all both those interceptions into touchdowns, nobody cares. Right. Like it's. Yeah. It's 28 yeah. to it's 28 to 10 at that point, And we're like, OK. We're yeah, like things are looking a lot, a lot more, a lot more consistent. Sorry, no, it'd be, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, it's a different game altogether, and so that's gonna be a really key too. Is if they do, if the defense is able to force Mahomes into mistakes because like he doesn't trust Marquez Valdez Scantling, for example, um, and tries to 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 force the ball to to Travis Kelsey like he did in the AFC Championship game, eleven times by the way, um or Rishi Rice and the Niners secondary is able to hold it down and force some turnovers or something like that, then you got to feel pretty good about, about the, 
the offense's opportunity to, to turn it into points. But yeah, I think in a weird way, this is a game where they're going to have to kind of revert to old tendencies, right? Um, I, I alluded to the, to the NFC championship game that led into the Super Bowl last time around uh, against the, the Packers. Cause like that game plan makes so much sense. Like I'm not saying Brock Purdy should throw the ball eight times um, in this Super Bowl, but God, could you imagine? <laughs> oh my gosh. The discourse after this game, if that happened would just be like, I, I don't think I would, I don't, I don't want to do that. Uh, I mean, I'd be really happy because they won, but also just that we'd go right back into that whole, well, Brock Purdy's not, but anyway, um, that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, I think you're right. I think that is the, that's the key. Like they got to establish the run and just run it until Kansas city proves that they can, they can stop it. And obviously they're going to have to mix in some passes here and there to keep them honest. And I think clearly Kyle Shanahan, trusts Brock Purdy to to throw the ball um as you alluded to he's the one thing that's majorly different about this team is how frequently they just drop back and pass the ball um they're not trying to be tricky about it necessarily um I was reading something this week about how they've their their play action number in terms of like true play action has actually dipped below the league average this season um but they're doing different things like if you're if you're looking at things like some of that you some of that weird motion that McCaffrey has been doing out of the backfield um, where he like kind of like sidesteps to the side, right? Where he's in the backfield and then he takes like six sidesteps. And so suddenly he's not in the backfield. Um, and so I saw this picture. Um, it was Ben Solak of the the ringer who I, I go back and forth on whether or not I'd, I'd like him or not, but um, he, he bugs me and then he doesn't bug me. He's very entertaining dude. So, he, so I'm like, yeah, that's kind of endearing. Uh, but he was pointing out like this one play where uh, it went from, it was McCaffrey. It was single back McCaffrey in, in the backfield Brock under center. And then he did that weird sideways motion. And then it was literally the quarterback under center with nobody behind him. <laughs> And it's just kind of a weird picture of just like empty backfield with quarterback under center, which of course you never see, uh, but it was very strange. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is, do I think that if they get into a shootout, could Brock Purdy win this game for the 49ers? Sure. Is that like the most ideal way to do that? Mm, I don't think so. No, I think this has got to be a, like Christian McCaffrey, as I said, Christian McCaffrey game, uh, Debo Samuel is a running, as a runner, um, you know, shoot, Elijah Mitchell can play if if they want him to. Uh, but I think that's got to be the key for the 49ers if they want to win this game. And I think Kyle Shanahan, the good news is that we know Kyle Shanahan is completely comfortable with that as a game plan. And I think uh, that could be a way to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I love that article talking about McCaffrey's motions. The point was that, if I remember correctly, when he motions out, the defense doesn't treat it as if it's empty anymore. Run the most plays in empty personnel, but that empty personnel is often Debo and Kittle. Just like McCaffrey, I mean, so it's fascinating. 
You know, it's he's he's the guy for this game. Yes, he's been the Chiefs. Yeah. And I think that is that is the big difference, right? Is the fact that in 2019, and really even in the years prior, previous in 2019 and since 2019, the thing that they've been missing is the fact that their running back is also a wide receiver. Like before, you know, they split Jeff Wilson out, <laughs> which they probably didn't do, but maybe if they did, if they did, you were probably like, oh, okay, well, Jeff Wilson's over there. It's not a big deal. Like we don't have to worry about him. You know, same with Elijah Mitchell or something like that. If Christian McCaffrey runs to the outside, you're like, oh, oh no, what, what is he getting? What are the, what are they doing? Like now we have to pay attention to him, and and he's motioning all over the place and doing crazy things, and it's just like he's using him as a as a completely different chess piece. And I think that the, his presence is going to make a big difference in this game, one way or the other, whether or not it's they want the Chiefs to pay attention to him. It's like look over there, and then they do something else, or or he just turns into like he has 220 total total you know all-purpose yards throughout the game and just takes it over and they win so um i'm i'm good either way uh just for the record uh christian anyway any way you want to go is totally fine with me yeah i mean what what a scene that would be (laughs) for sure um all right well the time has come uh I was thinking about this today or the other day, Akshas, and I'm like, have I have I picked against the 49ers yet this season? <laughs> um, and I was like, I don't know if I have. I know you have. Um, I don't remember which games, but I believe that you have once or twice. Um, and I, I was I was wrong. I was so wrong. Yeah, because it was Dallas, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and something else. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the games that they lost, we were we were like, oh, they're going to win. And then they didn't win. Um, so we don't know what we don't know what to do. Um, but it is it is time for the final prediction of the 2023 NFL season for Super Bowl 58 49ers and Chiefs. Akshaz. Who cares? Like if you know, it's 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 this is the ultimate time to to take advantage of the fact that this is. This is fan sided, and we're fans, and we're we're homers, and we we try to be as 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 not as we we try to avoid it as much as we can. But truthfully, we're we're behind our team, and that's why we're here. So, actually, what do we think? Oh yeah, I mean, if you think I'm picking against the 49ers when you're listening to this podcast, I don't know what you're listening to because I I absolutely think they're gonna win. I I thought they're gonna win the entire year. This was the year everything came together, and you know, like personally, this is this is this is the chance for me to see them finally win a Super Bowl, and I'm so excited for this. I think they're a better team than last time they were in the Super Bowl. They're a more balanced team, and I think they can handle what Kansas City throws at them. And in light of recent predictions in the playoffs, where I've been like, this is the game, the 49ers really reassert themselves as the team. <laughs> and then they forget to play for a half to three quarters and then reassert themselves. I'm going to do it again. I think oh, the gosh. 49ers are going to, I think like, don't get me wrong. I think Kansas city is incredible. I think their defense is a remarkable example of how you work around having 
the highest paid quarterback, who's also like the best quarterback in the league, mm-hmm. and you um you build the young cheap talent that's really really effective, and you create a scheme that works for them. I think this is the most balanced version of the Chiefs the 49ers will face. But you know, I really think the 49ers will get the ground game going. I think they will shorten this game up, and I think they will not only get revenge for 2019, 2020, they will get residual revenge for the year after that, the year after that, I guess the year after that, and all, <laughs> all, all the years they've been so close. I, I've got 49ers. 31, Chiefs, 21. Hmm. We're not far off. We're not far off, so I feel okay about this. Um, yeah, I mean, there's no way in the world I'm picking against the 49ers to win this game. Uh, as as much as my trepidation has is, is, is ebbed and flowed throughout this week, um, the, it's just like, I mean, they got to do it, man. This has got to be it. Like, mm-hmm. they've they've... Other than than the Baltimore Ravens, I think they're about the only team that has been from start to finish, like in the conversation, realistically for like they're the best team in the NFL. I don't think anybody's said that said those words about the Chiefs at any point throughout the season. I mean, they obviously they started off the year with a loss to the to the Lions, and um, and 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 that's a that's that obviously changed the narrative on them pretty pretty immediately, but. They've they've been a team that has survived on the strength of, again, as you noted, having the best quarterback in the game and then figuring it out with their defense and, and figuring out how to make that work. And the defense has played a lot better um, throughout this season than they have probably since Mahomes has been in the league. I think that's pretty safe to say. Um, but, yeah, I think this is a close game. I think uh, it's going to be another another uh, ring in your hands like hopefully everything kind of goes right kind of kind of games but i'm going to go 28 to 23 um so a little closer than you uh but but the, the nice thing about the 23 number is that means what that indicates is that the chiefs are are struggling in the red zone right cuz they to get the 23 they got to kick a bunch of field goals um so that that that's going to be a pretty big i think important part of this obviously right <laughs> if you score more touchdowns than the other team scores field goals that's bad um you know, could I see it getting a little more out of hand? Absolutely. Um, but the really key thing, as you already alluded to, is that the 49ers have got to get off to a better start um, in this game. Um, or problems could be could be afoot. So, um, yeah. All right. Akshas, final words before we wrap this one up and uh, then do some, some major fretting and hand-wringing throughout the rest of the weekend. I mean, you know, Robert, as like has been kind of clearly identified when we record this podcast. I'm a younger 49ers fan. I don't have a memory of Steve Young in 94 and 95. I certainly don't have a memory of, um, of the Montana era. Like my, when I think about the 49ers, I think about losing in the Super Bowl because they couldn't run the ball with Frank Gore, throwing it to Sherman. Right. Um, Jim Tom Sula, Chip <laughs> Kelly winning and depriving them of Miles Garrett, right? Who's celebrating the fact that the 49ers had lost like 10 straight one-score games as a sign that this team was better. Watching Jimmy Garoppolo play five games and be like, he's the franchise. Then seeing him tear his ACL. 
getting Nick Bosa only because the Cardinals messed up. And that was like, that was the happiest I'd been. <laughs> wow. right? And going to the Super Bowl and having like my heart crushed and injuries and being excited for a new quarterback. New quarterback isn't very good, apparently. And they lose to the Rams of all teams when Tart drops an interception. Then the next year, new quarterback gets hurt. Other quarterback gets hurt. And then um, Brock Purdy comes in. And just when you thought everything was finally aligning, this, like, cursed franchise's histories of almost, Hassan Reddick comes in and smacks Purdy's elbow, and a season goes away. And this year, thinking they're the best team in the NFL, then they dropped three straight. And we were talking – I was talking about – they need to focus on making the playoffs. Then they run it again. Then they lose another couple big games. It's like, okay, I don't know. Let's see what they do. Seeing two of the greatest comebacks the 49ers have ever done in my lifetime. Now they have a chance in the Super Bowl. I mean, this is it. I mean, this is what this is what being a fan is about. This is what liking football is about, is being able to see your team in these moments, rise to the occasion, and being able at the end of the game, the clock hits zero for you to be able to get up and celebrate and know that they've won the Super Bowl. And for one year, at least one year, you know that joy and you'll always remember that joy. So, I mean, I, I'm so excited. I can't wait. This is going to be an awesome game, even though I picked them to win by 10. That's awesome for me. But <laughs> That is awesome. Be a, That'd be way better than mine. <laughs> this is going to be a fantastic game. I'm just, I'm super excited to watch it. I'm super excited for them to get on the field. And to show why they've been one of the best franchises in the last five years and really cap off this historic run with the Super Bowl and cement their legacy. Because I know as a fan, and I'm sure you feel the same way, this has been an absolute pleasure to watch this team play. The things they've done have been like incredible. The ways they've played, the players we've seen. I mean, this is, this is the greatest stuff. But the difference between teams that you remember forever and teams like the 90s Bills, you know, or the Dan Marino Dolphins is winning the final one. Cause if you don't win the final one, you know, all that legacy, that's an afternoon and you become part of someone else's story. And I think it's time the 49ers will write their own story and make their mark on the NFL's history. Well said, as always, for the record, I'm, I'm not against like the 55 to 10 pounding. They put it on the Broncos that one year. That'd be great too. It'd be super. But anyway, all right. Well, as always, thank you for listening to this episode of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fan-Sided Podcast Network. Please continue to check out NinerNoise.com throughout this weekend leading up to the big game and after and in the weeks to follow and throughout the seasons and years to come. Uh, for all your latest 49ers news and analysis, and be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And of course, share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers. Mm-hmm.